we discussed the current issue of the magazine in a desultory way. I knew she was building up to something because she'd asked for this meeting. In fact, she had pressed for it. She seemed rather distracted, though, and as I was talking to her, she often rested her eyes over my right shoulder, as if she wasn't that interested in what I was saying, and this was mildly disconcerting. Then my coffee arrived, and I was thinking, that's good, she won't raise anything major now. Perhaps she had just wanted to reconnect after all these months. She was drinking green tea. I've noticed she's very health-conscious, and she swallowed two capsules of evening primrose oil with her tea. She launched into a speech about how I should make her my deputy. She talked in that stilted way she does, always perfect English, but a bit too perfect, so that you know it's a second language. While you were away, I wrote articles for all the sections, she said. Now I was the one who was finding it hard to concentrate on hair. There was this couple at the next table who were having a nasty argument. The man had his arms crossed over his chest, and he was staring furiously at his empty pudding plate, which was smeared with raspberry sauce. The woman was agitated and colour flooded up her neck and into her face as she twisted a napkin. I saw a waiter approach their table, and then he hesitated, and I thought he must be used to such scenes, so many unhappy couples. Heya was coming to an end. I have essentially been working as deputy editor while you were on maternity leave, and I would like more responsibility. You've been doing a great job, Heya, and I'm really grateful for all you've done. We're such a small team, and the magazine just doesn't need a deputy editor, and Philip simply wouldn't agree. Why had I invoked Philip, the big boss, in this way? Why couldn't I have just said no to Heya in a kind but firm voice? She hadn't been at the magazine long, and a promotion so soon was just not on. The unhappy couple had turned their attention to paying their bill. He had thrown his credit card down contemptuously on the table and looked away, and she was ostentatiously counting out notes and coins, leaving exactly half the amount of the bill, her face taut and ugly. Heya leaned forward towards me now, and she crackled with a kind of pent-up energy. You have such demands on your time now, I thought you would welcome some extra support. I almost snapped at her then. That won't be a problem. We're a good team and we all know what we're doing. Yet my heart was beating fast as I called for the bill. During the afternoon I felt slightly sick and anxious, probably prompted by Heyer's comment. Why was I sitting in my glass-panelled office with piles of work on my desk, acting the editor? Why had I even gone for the promotion? I just wanted to get home to Billy and hold him close. As the day wore on, it was as if the umbilical cord had never been cut, and I was being tugged back to his sweet-smelling head and strong-sucking mouth. I was still breastfeeding every evening when I got back from work. I took out his photograph from my bag and looked at his dear little face, and my breasts started to tighten and tingle, then I put it on the side and pulled the production schedule over.
Karen, the production manager, came into my office and sat down at the meeting table. As I walked over to her, I noticed she was looking up at me, oddly. Aisha, my assistant, came in at that moment and said, What have you spilled on yourself? I looked down. Two wet circles had formed on the front of my shirt. My breasts had leaked.